Greetings and welcome to Inside Baseball with Old Chestnut. I'm Liam Allen with more sex. How you doing, MB? It's a sleepy Sunday around the sax house, my friend. Well, I mean, I could have played a little more music, but you were giving me the evil eye and looking at the clock and tapping your watch. Um, <laughs> so, but, but other than that, I think, didn't they close last night's first set with that? Yeah, that's what it's from. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. See, that's why I'm... A little sleepy because I was up late watching the the couch tour and uh, uh, the girls Maddie and Kate came up uh, yesterday for my birthday and we had a surprise uh, Uncle Mark visit and nice. so it's been nice. uh, yeah it's been quite a ruckus around the house <laughs> so you 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 were allowed to sleep in on sunday morning oh so that's why you want to do the show at noon so when i wanted to do it bright and early at 7 a.m you said i need a couple hours <laughs> well you know my voice is a little raspy from all the drinking and cigarettes yeah. the night before <laughs> right um, but i've i've kind of overdone it i had uh, a um zero carbohydrate bagel Ugh, with disgusting stuff with um Cream cheese with scallions no no, no, and uh, smoked salmon. Okay. And then I had a little top off of chopped liver. Oh, so, wow. Nice. So your salt intake is check, check that box today. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Plus, I've had about nine cups of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Greetings and welcome yeah, to Inside I, Baseball. I, I know. Today's show is going to yeah. be done in 32 okay. minutes. Right. But by the way, the real feel outside is 100. It's disgusting. Did you see this? Did you yeah, see yeah. this? Yeah, it's yeah. disgusting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've chosen to live here and in Scottsdale, okay? Um, yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, both of which are 108 by 12 o'clock today, okay? Oh, my Lord. Well, the other choices were Miami, a.k.a. God's <laughs> waiting room. 
Right. I know. Um, the villages, also in Florida. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where uh, the incidence of sexually <laughs> transmitted disease is running rampant. If you got nothing else to do today, folks, just type in the villages Florida into Google News. And you've got an hour's worth of entertainment, okay? <laughs> an hour's worth of entertainment. Plus, you got monkeypox running amok in Manhattan. Stop. I know. I know. Somebody, I was having dinner with somebody, uh, must have been Friday night, and I asked them kind of half-joking about the monkeypox, and they kind of took it seriously, asking <laughs> if I was going to get the vaccine. And I'm like, look, I'm done with this vaccine bullshit. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like... Who gets a vaccine for something and then gets sick, right? <laughs> yeah, sick three times from it, yeah. Yeah. So I, I went with my sort of crass comment about when I get the urge to throw my feces at someone, <laughs> that's right. going to be an indication that I've got the monkeypox. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah. So um, before uh, we go too far down the road of mm-hmm. – uh, being a decadent mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and saying all sorts of obnoxious things. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to talk about interest rates. Absolutely. Something that yep. um, some people feel I do have a bit of uh, competency to opine on. This is um, a good week for it, right? This is a good week to talk well, about it. It has been, sure. Mm-hmm. So okay. uh, as you know, uh, we don't give investment advice, but I had made some reference a few weeks back, I want to say maybe six weeks back, that there was some stuff in fixed income that I kind of liked. We had gotten the levels, and uh, I felt like on a forward basis that it looked pretty cheap, right? So um, one of our competitors uh, who puts out a, a weekly, quasi-weekly newsletter letter, has this inane comment about a trader's got to trade. So um, there is a shred of truth to that. And so um, as I was sitting in front of my Bloomberg minding my own business, I noticed that a number of these fixed income securities that I bought had appreciated between 10 and 20%, which on a fixed income securities, pretty big move. Now, look, I, I talk about my losers all the time. So I guess I get a little latitude to talk about the winners. So uh, on Thursday, going into payroll, I decided, you know, some of the stuff has moved enough. I have, uh, as you all know, accumulated generous capital losses through my gold trading. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I took off, let's say, 20%, 25% of my fixed income stuff. On Thursday, and I and I actually went to the website and was about to type in what I had done, and I thought, you know, something. I'm not going to do that for a lot of reasons. One is we don't give investment advice, right? Just because I do something doesn't mean anyone else should do something. And then there's this whole other element I'd like to discuss with you uh, later in the show if you approve. Mm-hmm. It's about the implementation of a paywall. Okay. We can set about set that aside mm-hmm. later because yep. tomorrow night you do know we are having a dinner of the five families I at seven thirty. Mm-hmm. And uh so we're gonna have New York, Chicago, um Queens, mm-hmm. Brooklyn, mm-hmm. and New Canaan represented. New Canaan. 
<laughs> so we'll make some decisions. Yes. But yes. There's a family. Mm-hmm. Um, but regardless, uh, the payroll number by any stretch was exceptionally strong. Until they which, revise it. Until they revise uh, it next month. <laughs> yeah, and then seven years from now, we'll find out the number was really minus two hundred thousand. Thank you. Okay, as long as I'm not out of line for nah, thinking that. Nah, okay, it's just. I'm it's, sorry. Go ahead. It's okay. It's just mm-hmm. those of us who understand the data collection understand it's a moment in time and it's not right. But but in any event, the fixed income markets uh, took that is continued tightening by the Fed. And I happen to agree with it. Uh, We get back into this, I don't want to say nuanced debate, I would say kind of worthless debate of whether they're going to go 50 or 75. Uh, If I had to pick a number, I'd say 75, but 50 is the same as 75 in my book. But I think the salient point comes in here, which is what I would like to communicate because I do think it's significant. Now, I won't put anyone on the spot, but you know how I've repeated, I have my methodology, which starts like this. I turn on the Bloomberg and what's the first thing I do? I look at the spread. Yeah. Yeah. I look at the yield on the two-year note. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right now, the two-year note yields a 323. Okay. So um, if the funds rate at the moment is two and a half and they're going to hike by let's call it 50 that gives you three percent funds rate in september okay a three and a quarter two-year note with a three percent funds rate is not very attractive it's not the kind of level where you look at and you go that's cheap so um, I would suspect that uh, certainly um, absent any weakening in the economic data, significant weakening, but more importantly, significant weakening in inflation data, which I don't expect we're going to see in the near future, uh, the front end of the treasury curve has to cheapen. Um I would think in the neighborhood of 25 to 50 basis points pretty pretty easily, which if you don't do anything to the back end is going to continue to invert the yield curve. Now, this is where it becomes more art than science because I don't know how much a 25 or 50 basis point back up in the two-year note is going to move the two-year, excuse me, the 10-year note. It's going to do something, but I think the conventional wisdom is it's just going to choke off. You can't even call it a nascent uh, recovery because it's not a recovery. We're, right. in, we're, in, a, we're in a contraction. Yep. And uh, so, um, yeah, I, I think the fact that I lightened up some of this back end stuff uh, was fortuitous. I, I am going to look to replace it. Uh, um, sooner rather than later, but uh, you know, I, I felt like I felt like doing something, mm-hmm. and I kind of got away with it. My my ultimate objective, uh, other than making pretty women laugh, is <laughs> um, 
to get long stocks. Okay. But uh, I don't want to touch the computer, but I think the Schiller PE is like 31 or 32 again. And it just doesn't, it doesn't make a lot of sense to run out and be buying stocks when I don't think the Fed's done tightening, um, when the valuations look rich. 31? Does that sound right? Yeah, that sounds right. 31. And if you look at the, the graph or yeah. chart, yeah, it's like you don't do very well owning it at that level. Interesting. Uh, looking at it, it <laughs> just looking at the graph, yeah, it 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 needs to come down. Uh, according to history, it's going to come down. Um, yeah. So it's just a matter of when. So do do what you want with that. And I know that board that aggravates Kevin that 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 you that you are going to mention the Schiller Schiller PE ratio and and say I'm not touching it until it 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 budges. But it's that's that's fine. Um. Yeah, I'm sticking with 3,500, and and there and we have a, a way to go to get to that. Um, you said bear yeah. bear market rally. What'd your brother say? Did your brother lecture you, or did he give you a reprieve because it's your birthday? I think uh, I think he would say we agree in more ways than we disagree. Okay, it becomes more a question of stylistic mm-hmm. approach. Okay, you know. Um, yep. So. Uh, as much as I feel like I'm a bad student, a poor student, I do apparently like to learn things. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's things that seem to interest me, not things that I didn't have any choice of. Like, for instance, geography like I, or, or social studies mm-hmm. or American history. You know, I, I didn't really care much about that, but just checked off my three favorites. Well, it's what opposites attract. Jeez, yeah, like get me out of math class, like boring me to tears. Oh like, man, fifty. Give me a map of fifty states, and I'll tell you every capital. Okay, <laughs> that's unbelievable. By the way, I didn't do any better in math either. Oh, right. Okay. Sure. <laughs> I no. I, I, the bottom line number worked out well in the long run, though. <laughs> I'm yeah. pragmatic. Yeah, I, I, I'm pragmatic. Um, where were we? Uh, so anyway, I, I think the fixed income markets look like they should be a little bit rocky. Um, I had uh, uh, an afternoon uh, coffee with my pal Amir, mm-hmm. who is quite a talented uh, mathematician, uh, technology guy. And I said, oh, by the way, if I did a tens, twenties, thirties butterfly, would I? And and I was short twenties. Would I be long convexity? And he sat there and he scratched his chin, and he said, "That's not an easy question. I don't know the answer to that." And he said, uh, "Would you like me to to find out?" And I said, "No, I I'm I'm pleased enough knowing that." You think it's a tough question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was the answer I wanted. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So awesome. I don't need to bother. So we're good, right? Awesome. Yep. Um, so that that's was that's good. fantastic. That's such a good that's such a good feeling that you like when he what just scratching the chin, you knew you had yeah. him. That is fantastic. So yeah. he's been um consulting in the crypto world, mm-hmm. understanding um all of my disagreements with it. And uh, he came up with uh, an argument that it was easy for me to refute. When I hear people 
use it all the time. And I would like to, mm-hmm. without continuing the mm-hmm. uh, tirade of Bastion Crypto, mm-hmm. I, I think that morning someone had stolen $150 million or something. I mean, you yeah. know, it was like Which just a, was- exactly, exactly. Yeah. So I said to him, I said, you know, at some point it adds up, right? And he stepped right into my trap. He said, well, you know, the credit card fraud is in the tens of billions every year. And I said, thank you. Because I don't know about you, but the Saks house gets two new visa cards every year because someone fucking steals a number. And you know how much that's cost me? Zero. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Because that's visa's problem. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, once again, I don't have proof of concept, but if I've got a hundred grand at Crypto Inc. and someone takes it, it's gone. Gone. Okay. Goodbye. Okay. So so we can put this visa card to crypto thing to rest, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I did ask him because he was with me when we were at the hedge fund. And remember I was saying how we knew if so-and-so went broke, exactly what we had to do about the collateral. Mm -hmm. And and in fact, Amir was in charge of running that analysis every night because he was the chief operating officer. And we talked about a vis-a-vis crypto and he kind of laughed. He says, because nobody knows what the fuck to do. Yeah, yeah, we don't even bother so, with that, right? <laughs> well, it, they're going to bother, but yeah. it, it's going to be like the money's going to be tied up for years. Web three is go. Web three is going great. The girl that runs that is doing God's work out there, and all. I mean, so after after you've gone to um to Google News and read about the villages, all right, your next assignment for homework is to go to Web three is going great, either on Twitter or there's probably a website, and it's just a it's a police blotter of crimes of just if you added up the the millions of dollars in the first 10 incidents you probably have one or two billion bucks that was stolen from a bridge or just you know completely the story i mean it it writes itself all right so you just go to web3 is going great and google news for the villages um and you're still trying to get long stocks but you're not ready that's the uh i'm not not ready there i I have a uh a price Target and a time target. Come on, give it to me. Not yet. Oh, you can't do it because of the not inv- right. Okay, but you have one, you have two aspects of it. Can I, I get a time I, target at least so I know no, when I can get? No, oh, no, but on. I no, but I when I hit it, I'll tell you. Okay, all right. Oh, that's fun. That's great. No, I will. I, <laughs> that I, engages I, the audience. I, I, well, <laughs> stay tuned. Fair. Okay. I mean, I mean, you know, first of all, I mean, look, I'm very flattered that all these guys listen, guys and gals and days and whatever. And I'm even more delighted when people send questions. Mm -hmm. But if it's not apparent by now that I don't know where the fuck this shit's going. (laughs) I mean, come on. Okay. I I mean, what, what is the goal for my trading? It's to find asymmetrical payouts. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And, Picking market timing is not an asymmetrical payoff, right? Mm-hmm, not mm-hmm. necessarily. So, mm-hmm. no, nope, I um, understand. Thank but you. I do have a desire to increase my risk to equities, and so you have to. If if that's a commitment I want to make, I feel like I have to have 
something backing it up. Yeah. So I'm either going to buy when it gets to a certain price. Okay. Or if it doesn't get to that price by a certain time, I'm going to say, well, uh, enough yeah. fucking around. Just buy something. Totally and so, logical. To and, and so it's simple-minded. Simple. But it, I, it, no, it I think that's perfect. Okay. Yeah, I don't think you keep it simple, you know? Yeah. Okay. So um, one thing I wanted to make clear, I've seen a couple of comments, either directly or indirectly. So there's a, a picture of me on the internet from the market huddle. Mm-hmm. And I'm reading a book about selling options. Okay. Now, I want to make this clear. I'm pussing on somebody. That book is written by the chucklehead who went broke shorting natural gas calls. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> I think it's funny. It's I mean, hilarious. I know I, that's I, just the beginning. It's it, hilarious you know, knowing you. <laughs> I just can't help myself. I mean, <laughs> no one's made it more clear in, in, in about not writing options. Uh, short, short, right? Oh, yeah, and, yeah. and so that's why I thought the yeah. juxtaposition. It's um, fantastic. A, a, anyway, I didn't want anybody to go out and buy that book thinking, <laughs> oh, uh, MB thinks this is the yeah. way to go. And uh, uh, um, so, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what other things are going on? Um, we were supposed to talk about China today. But we traded that for real estate. Okay. But just to talk about China for a second, yeah. truth be told, a couple of things. I don't really know that much about it. And you want to know why? why? They, they don't tell the truth. Uh, yep. And, and they don't have rule of law, really. Yep. And that to me, that's kind of a one-two knockout punch. Yeah. It's a bit of a red flag. Yeah. G- yeah. Gave Cal is like all over China. They're like Hong Kong, China. They got the French, British empire. The sun never sets. Yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah. It's like there's plenty of stuff to do here. Yeah, 100%, okay. dude. I know. I just don't like not paying attention to it entirely. I think that, I think America doesn't pay attention to it at its own peril. Yeah, you know? I think you're right. Well, fortunately, that person doing God's work, Nancy Pelosi, the 82-year-old woman, Jesus. Who can't even manage to curb her husband's driving while intoxicated Incredible. and insider trading, Incredible. and her district is nothing but a drug zone. War I zone. think it's good she hops on a United States aircraft and flies <laughs> to a country that's disputed because that's going to make things right. better. <laughs> that's what they said. China's real punishment was going to send her. It was sending her back. <laughs> like you know, they're like. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I have to be careful cause I, once you get older <laughs> I and you get, I get all these elderly things that, mm-hmm. that niggle at you. I, I, I could sure. do 20 minutes on all the great stuff she's done for women and <laughs> women's rights around the yeah. world. Um, yeah, she's real and, progressive uh, moving over for all the new younger women that are the face of our, our, our nation that are looking yes. to, to really capture the, the new generation holding on to yeah. that dustbin. Um, all right. I don't want to do her. I don't want to do China. I want to do the real estate because we, okay. we, we people okay. expressed interest in that. Um, okay. You know? So we're going to do real estate through the eyes of old Chestnut. Okay. Who went from being the chump at the table. I was going to say. Yep. To to knowing he was the chump at the table. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> Which, hey, I, I, I'm proud of that. 
Absolutely. If you can be the chump at the table, you're still at the table. Okay. So, yeah. So, uh, I didn't really prepare this. It's going to come off the cuff. I know that's unusual for me, but let's see if I can get away with it. So, some year, and I want to say it was around 2008, Mm -hmm. um, I uh, started riding more with uh, Big E. And uh, he was in the sort of hotel real estate business. And because of the way the trading was working out for me, I had chunks of time in the middle of the day that I could go out and ride. And he lived about a mile from me here. And uh, he was going through some stuff, so he had some time to ride. And very, very, very talented rider, very disciplined, uh, a workhorse. Like, yeah, okay. he's a good dude to ride with because he's not pushing you, and you're very picky about who you ride with. Well, he and- he rides steady, hard. Bingo. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. None of this surging bullshit. Exactly. Which is, I know. Which is why I liked riding with Jen Cromie last year mm-hmm. because it was four hours at 200 watts, mm-hmm. and. You know, I know, I know. it just never was fucking relentless, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, where was I? So, Big and I, once, it's the same sort of thing. I roll up to his house, we'd exchange a few pleasantries, and then we'd go ride for two, three, four hours. Say, great riding with you. See you tomorrow. Yep. I'll see you through, whatever. Okay. So, one point, uh, I don't know, it caught him in a funny mood where he was a little bit chatty. He's not typically chatty on a ride. Okay. Uh, You know, I tend to talk a lot on rides uh, or Mm -hmm. less on rides that I can't keep up. But Mm -hmm. um, he said he was going to be getting back into the hotel business. And there was a small deal he was going to help develop out in Montauk. And if I put up a small amount of money, I could be a silent partner kind of thing. I wouldn't claim developer. Mm-hmm. I would just say dumb money. Sure. And um, uh, with a bunch of other people, we uh, started this place called the Surf Lodge, which in short order became world famous mm-hmm. in Montauk. And uh, it was packed every weekend and it was an interesting experience for me to see how a hotel restaurant operated learning the metrics learning the accounting and then learning how to maximize profits now um, for those of you who aren't familiar with the hamptons and montauk so it's part of this thing called long island and the further east you go it goes from not cool to little cool to really cool to hippies and hippies were in Montauk. So these were the guys that were, you know, trying to catch the big wave and it was very laid back. And a couple of these New York club promoters decided they wanted to open up a hotel restaurant bar and they brought big E in because he was the adult in the room and knew the hotel business and brought me along. And, and 
I thought it was kind of fun to learn about this stuff. And um, uh, these guys uh, had um, opened a restaurant, uh, uh, Abe and Arthur's, which was a steakhouse in um, the meatpacking district. And I think those guys went on to do Catch, which is another big restaurant. I had nothing to do with those, but mm-hmm. this is kind of the ilk mm-hmm. of the people. Okay. so. Uh, the Surf Lodge becomes this incredible, incredible success. And the limiting reagent is we can't serve the alcohol fast enough, number one. And number two, people can't get into the bathrooms quick enough. Mm-hmm. Okay. So for the men, what they did was, of course, I, 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 if I recall this correctly, Keeping in mind, everything I say is from a now 62-year-old, cognitively impaired, burned-out bond trader. <laughs> um, so they put a bathtub where the yeah. urinal should be. So mm-hmm, you, you get, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. But the problem isn't so much for the guys. It's for the ladies, right? Mm-hmm. And so women were waiting like an hour to mm-hmm. use the bathroom. So what they did was they basically took this toilet stall and they cut it in half. So if it was three feet wide yeah. in the toilet, now it's a foot and a half wide with the toilet. And so I'm there in the off season looking at this thing. And I'm like, hang on. If I'm going to sit down on the toilet, <laughs> I have I, to back, I, in. To I back have, in. I have to back in. I had to pull my <laughs> pants down. Back in, close the door, pull my shorts down. And, Yikes. Uh, yeah. So anyway, more revenues. Right, exactly. And then we started serving drinks, not in glasses, but in freaking buckets. <laughs> like you could buy a, a margarita for $5. $800, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. So anyway, huge success. A <laughs> couple years later, Biggie and I are out, made no money. I was just gonna ask. I thought, uh, yeah, like, yeah, like, dude, I know, dude. That's weird. There was a there was an article in the New York Post yesterday, okay, about some influencer bashing Surf Lodge specifically and the Hamptons in general. So not, dude. It is still allegedly it costs you fifteen thousand bucks if you want a table. Okay, so if you want to, okay, so if sure. you, so Saturday night, Sax wants a table at, at Surf at Surf Lodge. You cough up fifteen k to get it to get the table, and then she had like a long list of complaints. But like I, yeah. <laughs> you know, I didn't even click on the article because yeah. I just said, yeah, so, she complained about the Surf Lodge. I was thinking to myself, isn't this is Morris's project? <laughs> well, it, it was a was, while, a yeah. while Okay, so there's an incredibly talented designer named uh, Rob McKinley. Okay. Who uh, I haven't seen in a year or two, but um, he did design a bunch of those nightclubs. Mm-hmm. Um, the name, the the one in particular, the name of that I liked, will come to me later. It was when he designed it. It was called Gold Bar. Gold. It was. Okay. You should check out pictures. It's okay. like one wall of this place is nothing but golden skulls. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> it's cool. I'm telling yeah. you, this kid, kid, you, you know, you, we're all, yeah. no one's a kid anymore. Yeah. Wonderful human being, great guy, mm-hmm. designs the surf lodge. Okay, okay. Anyway, so 
across this pond from the surf lodge is this dilapidated motel called Rushmeyer's. And um, uh, Rob McKinley and his business partner at the time, Ben Pundle, decide, hey, we're going to take this Rushmeyer's and we're going to turn it into a summer camp for adults. Jesus. Which, okay. okay. Awesome, so, awesome idea. So now, technically, I think, technically, now I'm a developer. <laughs> and only because I put money in, mm-hmm, I got mm-hmm. pictures of me during construction. And, okay. and finally, believe it or not, trivia, Old Chestnut was on the liquor license. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. <laughs> what? Right? Okay. So Jesus. anyway, another fucking hit it out of the park, right? Okay. Home run. <laughs> so um, anyway, I'm learning a lot. I'm having a great time. Uh, and uh, Big E comes up with this idea that we're going to buy a bunch of these hotels. We're going to rebrand them. We're going to take them public, and we're going to make all this all this money. Okay. Well, in the end, it didn't work out exactly as it had planned. Nobody's fault. Uh, these are very, very complicated businesses. I mean, a hotel, think about the things you got to get right in a hotel, okay? And if all you do is get one thing wrong, mm-hmm. and one thing I didn't realize, and I'm not sure this is exactly right, but this was explained to me by our marketing people. This was legitimately, at this point, we had marketing people. I'm, I'm not making it up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, if you're in Europe and your travel agent books you a hotel and your experience sucks, the travel agent eats it. So, really? wow. yeah. So we yeah. had a couple of these hotels that we had rebranded and were going up and up and up. And, but they didn't tick every box because they hadn't been around long enough. So it kind of hurt the demand. Yeah, yeah. And uh, one of the hotels that we bought and we're gonna, was going to rebrand was the Hotel Chelsea, which is the famous hotel where, you know, all the artists live. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, and so mm-hmm. that turned into a difficult situation because you had a lot of people who lived there that weren't all together mentally mm-hmm. and they were paying minimal amounts of rent. I remember. There was, there were some people living there in squalor mm-hmm. living like refusing rat. to leave. Yeah. Yeah. But we sent one of the project managers in to check out an apartment. He came out and for 30 minutes, like he was blind. I'm sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. so the whole thing turned into like an abyss uh, and black hole. And, you know, for me, I'm like, you know what? I'm not digging this so much. Uh, I hit a bid, got out, lost some money. I'm good at losing money. I got a lot of practice. There, okay. <laughs> so, but, but part of this process, I met a number of other guys. Yeah. And so we started doing some more normal real estate development. And what do I mean by that? It's like you build condos, 
you build rentals, you build commercial office space. And so um, once I sort of got out of that hotel restaurant meme, you know, every Wall Street guy's dream is, I was, right? You walk in, Mr. Big, oh, MB, good mm-hmm. to see you. I got your table for you. Come on over here. You know, you could spend a hundred grand somewhere else and mm-hmm. you'd come out ahead, but no, here's your table, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. so I got that out of my system. And, but I found the development in New York City to be as complicated as anything I've ever come up against. Whether you want to call it interest rate swaps, mortgage prepayment models, multi-factor Nobel Prize winning Garsh option models, none of this thing holds a candle to trying to build something in New York City. Yeah, okay. permits. What do you? What's the number one hurdle? Permits, perm like permits, shit like that. Oh my god, I don't. It's just like the number one hurdle. Yeah, is getting it all the line up. Yeah. Okay. Right. It's not just like so. You could have the permits. Yeah. And you can't find the the contractor. Yeah. Or you, you can't can have the contractor. Yeah. yeah. Or you can't. You got the contractor, and wow. you can't get the equity partner. Wow. Or I mean, it's all these things, right? All and, the stars, yeah. And so, what I did was there. New York real estate falls into multi generational family organizations, and whether it's the Jewish group or the Italian group or the Irish group, you know. So the group I fell into. Oddly enough, was the Jew was the Jewish group, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I don't I don't know how that happened. It's just how it happened. Okay, yeah. yeah so yeah. Um, we go about, and the first building, um, I get invited to be one of the developers because I met these guys through Big E with the hotel stuff, and the building was an empty lot on Thirteenth Street between 2nd and 3rd Avenue. Mm-hmm. And it's the street where they filmed the movie Taxi Driver. Okay. Wow. So anyway, I think we bought the lot from the, I think the Malkin family, maybe another Jewish uh, family dynasty. And we're just going to build straight condos. Yeah. It's yeah, a vacant for, lot. No, no existing structure. Just a, it's a vacant lot. It's a vacant lot. There was some beautiful spray paint artwork and yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah it was guys yeah. getting stoned and vacant okay. lot. And, okay. Yeah, yeah. So this was my first real experience at being a legitimate part of the development team. Now, in my mind, that meant me going to the meetings. Like, did I any add any value? Well, I, I, truth be told, when it came to things like asking questions when I didn't understand something or helping with interest rate forecasts, yeah, I, I did help. Was I great at picking out brick? No, I, I wasn't. But um, this one started at such a time that the value of New York real estate was running at maybe 1000 bucks a foot. And now it's trading at like two thousand a foot. Okay, so needless to say, best case, worst case, I get in 
my first real deal is a grand slam. Like it's just like the guy giving you yeah. the free shit, free yeah. heroin, right? <laughs> right, so, right. So Ed and I go in and take half the deal, and I forget what we put up, but the the, the absolute number doesn't matter. But call it X. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, right now, I'm the chump at the table, and I know I'm the chump at the table, right? But I've seen these guys operate, and I'm realizing, you know, you can't make an omelet without breaking a few eggs. And if I lose some money, it won't be the first time. So we put the money up, and I don't know, five weeks later, we get 85% of the money back. Like I have no, like, like this is my first introduction to what it's like when a deal works, right? Yeah, okay. yeah. So yeah. two and a half years later, I think we got 10 times our money. It was 10, 10 times. Okay. So I'm like, yeah, I like this stuff. I Not like bad. this real estate yeah. stuff. And, and now with all the, hotel stuff and and the surf lodge and this and that i'm in black now right okay so now i'm learning about depreciation and uh, operating income ordinary income ordinary loss these sorts of things which are the tax angles which are important but what i'm really kind of getting a kick out of is um it's fun doing deals and it's fun doing deals that work right so mm -hmm, now mm -hmm. these guys have gotten to know me a little bit and now another deal comes up so at the corner of i want to say bond and lafayette mm. okay i think i have this right way down there's a gas station okay that the owner legend has it the owner was putting water in the gas tanks Jesus. and the inspector found out and was going to prosecute him. And the owner killed the inspector, murdered him. <laughs> so he goes off to jail. The wife moves out to Brooklyn and they turn this gas station into like a parking lot with a billboard. Come okay. on. Yeah. So anyway, they go to, she wants the money, so they go to sell it, sell the property, but they don't sell it as a fee simple, meaning you own it outright. They did it as a 99-year land lease. So what that means is they lease it to us for 99 years for X amount of dollars per year, and yeah. um, that goes up every so many years. And the benefit to them is they don't pay the gain today, right? But they got a long stream of work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So on this building, um, I decided from here on out, on every building I do, I'm going to pick another element of it and learn something. So in this instance, because there was a world-famous architect named Annabella Seldorf designing it, I was going to go to the design meetings because I want to awesome. see how yeah. yeah yeah so what I didn't realize uh was first thing you do is you hire a broker as a consultant and they come in and they tell you what 
they think the market needs. They need two bedrooms, they need three bedrooms, and they need studios. Do people like this kind of kitchen or that kind of... So you get the market data, right? Because you want to build what the people want. Okay. So I learned I learned a lot about how that went. And that was a somewhat difficult project because Soho, or that might be NoHo, but anyway, the historic district, as you said about getting the permits, is a little bit... It's a little bit tough. And yeah. and so this famous architect goes before the committee. And I went down to town hall uh, to watch this. And they spent about 20 minutes blowing her ship for the design. And the last 10 minutes, kissing her ass because she's world famous. And they basically said, you know, you can do better. Okay. Wow. So anyway, she goes home principally does very little to change the design and mm -hmm. comes back. And of course the committee's like, see, this is what makes you a great architect. Come on, we, man. No, no. It's like, it's, it's, I'd say dick sucking, but it's yeah, ass kissing. Yeah. 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 yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah see, we yeah. knew you could do better. It, yeah, that's yeah. why we get the yeah. best out of They're telling everyone like how they're. Yeah. The, yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah. So anyway, we, we build a building and, uh, what is it, five-story multiple use? It was, I want to say seven stories, but the ground floor is commercial. Yeah, it's a beautiful Something building. Like yeah, it's a beautiful building. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I was on the design team. It's yeah. gorgeous. You, you, yes, you were. Well, I, I, I was yes. very much in favor of the yes. Corten steel and the terracotta facing and, and nice. uh, just the way the light hits it. Yeah, it gave okay. me that very historical... Glass. Yeah, yeah, nice. You know, people are surprised when I have discovered now through our podcast, and you're working with me as a director, getting in touch with my artistic <laughs> abilities. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think, okay. So um, anyway, that one is a success. That's the building right there. Yes. Beautiful building. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Um, so that works out okay. Not as great as the other one. Now let but, me ask you a question. You own now you you own that building today, or you built it, you developed it, and you're out. So we built the building. Okay, we sold off. They're called condops. It's not a co-op. It's not a condo because the land is a land lease, right? In okay, ninety yeah. in in ninety five years now. That land goes to the lady in Brooklyn, and that mm -hmm. building's on top of it, and that's her building in wow. ninety in ninety five mm -hmm. years, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so when we sold the condos, they don't go for the same price as fee simple ownership, but they go pretty close because ninety nine years kind of a long time, mm -hmm. right? Okay, mm -hmm. so we sold all those. And because I was jonesing to build up this, you know, Morris Sachs empire, we kept the two commercial units. Okay. And one's got an Italian clothing store in it. And another one's got um, uh, that luggage store away. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So the – and during COVID, okay, high-end Italian clothing – 
and luggage for vacation, that exactly. that wasn't so great. So mm -hmm. the notion that Morris puts on some money and collects rents, like it's like going to the, the bank yeah. and just taking yeah, money exactly. out of him. Not exactly my experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But 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 it's come along okay. And yeah. and so I've done a number of these projects and it's been pretty good. And and um once again, I, I'm pretty sure had I just taken that money and put it in the S&P 500, okay, uh, I'd probably be about the same place. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. it's close enough that it's easy to say that, right? Of course. But I, lear I learned a, a shit ton of stuff that I found fascinating. So, so for instance, another project we did, are you finding this interesting? I don't want to bore I, lo you. I love this. I love okay. this stuff. You okay. know me. So on 20, 29th Street, okay, there was a surface parking lot. So some guy had bought the land, you know, 40 years ago. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And when people would go to the garden to see shows, people would park yeah. there. Yeah, of course. But it was just, it was like a, you know, 200 yard, I don't know what it was. Let's call yeah, it 200 50 by, by 100, yeah. yeah whatever yeah. it is, something like that. Yeah, okay. yeah. But it, it was just black asphalt and not uh -huh. even in great shape, right? Yeah. So on either side of it are these 50-year-old three-story crappy buildings. Knock right? them down. Well, we don't own those. People own those. Okay. Fine. So we go to the guy with the surface lot. Yeah. And we say, hey, how about we take the 99-year lease from you and we'll pay uh, X amount of dollars a month, rain or shine, and every so many years we'll bump it by 3%. And so we do that, and then we do all sorts of tests because there's a lot of groundwater, there's a lot of clay, there's a lot of yeah. Okay, so we go do all those tests, and everything comes down, comes back fine. Okay. So it goes out to the contractor. We get the contractor. They get all the subcontractors lined up, and it looks like it's going to be pretty good. Okay. So they start digging. If I remember correctly, first thing that happens is they run into hazardous waste. I was so going to say Native, like, Ameri Native American burial ground. <laughs> well, not quite that bad. All right, has like, waste. All right, yeah. like oil and gas. Even worse. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So we got to remediate that. That's number okay. one. Okay. So we remediate that. Then we start digging some more, and the two buildings on either side of us <laughs> start to fucking move. <laughs> now imagine even, that. <laughs> even, even I know at this point this is not good. Right? Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um. That delayed the project six months. And um, this is kind of a fun, I think it's a funny story. And if it's politically incorrect, I apologize. But so we got these guys digging the foundation. Mm -hmm. okay? And every week when you're doing one of these projects, you have a, a project meeting. And whatever's most important, you start with and you work your way down the list. And you, the developers give the mm -hmm. orders. And so we're having trouble digging this foundation. One, there's hazardous waste. Two, the further we dig, the more these buildings are starting. And, and three, this is 
little interesting factoid. You are allowed to pump seven gallons of groundwater a minute into the New York subway, New York um, storm drain. Uh, storm drain. Okay, per minute. Above seven gallons a minute, there's a fine, and it's a lot. Yeah. So now we got to figure out how to do all of these things and reduce the groundwater to under seven. Okay. Yeah. So we invite the foundation digging guys to come in. And so the part, one of the partners has an office in Soho and I brought, I think it was Lisa. I brought Lisa to this meeting and cause I'm at this point, I had visions of Saxon daughters, you know, yeah, kind of, of course. Yeah. so, um, these two Irish guys, nice guys, but I mean, right off the boat, like you could mm-hmm. barely understand. Yeah, yeah. And they're fucking covered in mud. Yeah, sand and, uh, yeah. They, yeah. they just had come from the site mm. and they're talking and we can't understand a fucking Nothing. word they're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, we're digging the hole. The hole's filling yeah. with dirt. Exactly. Slow down, and, Mr. McConnell. <laughs> and so I said something to the guy. It's like, yeah, it's above seven gallons of water a minute and it's like all of a sudden he thought he had an ally like yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway uh we finally get the building done and finished and it it, it isn't positive yet but mm-hmm. it ultimately it's getting will there be okay. yeah but you know you talk about being the chump at the table like i had guys i had partners who this was not their first rodeo. Like there's a thing you may know this cause you have some experience in construction. It's called a whaler. Do you know what a whaler is? It's a huge steel beam that you put up to hold up a building. So now we're got this empty lot. Okay. With water and mud everywhere. Mm-hmm. We've got these huge holes dug with cement pylons that mm-hmm. are called secants yep. and then we have steel beams that we've drilled into the cement mm-hmm. to hold up the whalers to okay. hold up the buildings now you see this rube goldberg thing everything you see here is coming out of our pockets right yeah 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 so yeah. A- a- anyway long story short it it's been fine and the mm-hmm. future is very bright. Mm-hmm. But the notion is like, oh, yeah, you just buy some stuff and you get some red. Yeah. Um, I, it's just not been my experience. Maybe it's bad luck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. But, uh, yeah, so that's kind of the real So you've enjoyed the, the Manhattan real estate development. You have not I, had I have. any catastrophes. Um and just like the fact that you can learn all that stuff, like what you, you didn't know a thing about digging a foundation and now you can build a building from foundation to putting the antenna on top, right? <laughs> Pretty much. Well, let me put it to you this way. I would never go out on my own. Okay. But sure. I feel pretty comfortable. You could take me to a design meeting, a pre-construction meeting, a construction meeting, a value engineering meeting, mm-hmm. uh, and and I wouldn't be completely lost. Yeah. Now, yeah, now yeah, yeah. is that worth anything? Not really. I mean, but you know, you're talking about. You mentioned last week how we're building an office building in NoHo. 
Mm-hmm. And I think it's 360 Bowery. I think that's the address. Okay. And you I have tough neighborhoods, man. You're going way downtown. Down in that congested. I can't think of a more difficult place to put a building than down on fucking south of Houston Street. Well, but you know, you think about it for a minute. You're wet. You're you're east. You're mm-hmm. not that far from NYU. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. You're only a couple of blocks up from uh Houston. Yeah, right? no, I know. Okay. Yeah. And that whole area is starting to gentrify because you have Cooper Union a little bit further north. Mm-hmm. You have a bunch of very nice hotels nearby. Yeah. You've got the W Hotel up a bit. Oh. So that, that area is getting a little bit better. That's yeah, number no, one. Noho and Soho are awesome. Yeah. I just yeah. like when I think when I think downtown, I all I think about is like those old narrow cobblestone streets and the like the red tape and the permits with all the old buildings yeah. to get stuff up. And that just sounds it's all like a daunting task, you know, but the, yeah. the reward. So that ninety-nine year lease is that yeah. has become a a favorite tool of yours to use? Nah. Well, I think it's something that's been done in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Using um my genetic advantage that us Jews have over, over you non-Jews is um, what I discovered was this. Um, and I'm happy to say it now because I probably won't do any more of these, mm-hmm. but just as a little bit of inside baseball. So land lease rent increases come every five years or so. And they're generally 3%. Rent increases for your tenants come every year or two, and they might be 3% or 4%. But, mm. but, but the compounding on the lease to, to your client in the beginning isn't any big difference between the compounding effect on the land lease. So my revenues are growing at a compounded three or excuse me, compounded five. Yeah. And my, my land lease is growing at a compounded three. So today it doesn't make that big a difference, but imagine in 30 years what that compounding is going to do. And so when I saw that, I'm like, dude, this I get. <laughs> yes. Wow. If you can play the long game, if you can look at well, it that's long. The thing. Yeah. 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 And so it wasn't great when, you know, the yoga pant guy that was supposed to take it never showed up. Yeah. Or when the Italian guy was like, you know, it's a little tight. Can you let me slide a couple months? And we said, sure. But, yeah. you know, it's it, in the you know, being capitalized and having the ability to, to play the long game, um, is, is pretty good. Um, so that, I I mean, I don't know if that's a complete survey of my experience in the real estate business, but you know, I, I just, I marvel in guys in wall street talking about how smart they are and what geniuses they are and how bright the long-term capital guys are. And I, and having been in both worlds, I can tell you, anybody who tells you 
the stuff on Wall Street is complicated. It's farcical. You have no idea what you're talking about. If you can't figure that shit out, okay, just give up. Because mm-hmm. that's 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 base case, right? You wanna you wanna see what assholes and elbows and getting a major league fastball is like New York real estate. And yeah. I would not for a minute claim I mastered it, but mm-hmm. you know, I had my rookie year and I got invited back. Yeah. And it's been fun. It's been fun. You meet a lot of interesting people. You see a lot of bad behavior. A lot of bad behavior. Like what? Give me an example. Give me something. Well, it's just partners trying to, you know, niggle yeah. Yeah. stuff and, and yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And yeah. I, I I could actually give you a couple of examples. The problem being Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't, you know, there's no witness protection program I for somebody that. like me. Yes, yes. I understand that the risk outweigh the reward. I get it. Speaking I get it. Yeah. of witness protection program, I know we're at the hour mark and I hate Talk. to press our, our, our listeners patience, Please. but, um, you had mentioned to me, you had found an article. Oh yeah, I was dig. I was digging around. You know, you you send me on these quests where like, whenever you talk about stuff, you, I was reading. The, do you want to talk about this? Yes. You want to save yeah, it for yeah, next yeah. week? No, 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 okay. no. No, because you sent me on these quests, and I forget what I was reading about. I was reading about something about you, you sent me down these rabbit holes where it was like. I'm reading about Greenwich Capital. I was reading about 515. Uh, you know, you just Google. I Googled something about 515, and it's the generic Bloomberg article about winding down due to sector rotation. That was it. Just like you said, you gave their money back. We closed up shop, and we went on. But then I was reading about RBS. So I was reading about R- – see, I never understood what happened to Greenwich Capital, where it just kind of – like what happened mm-hmm. to it. And then you read RBS got involved, NatWest Markets got involved. And coincidentally, they're both on the buildings right down there in Stanford right now. RBS yeah. and NatWest Market. Isn't so I think that about nice? It every morning, it's sweet. You know? <laughs> it's sweet. It's really pretty how they're hanging out together. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and then I got to that story about the, the RBS guys not paying a guy that they guaranteed money in that little story. And then you said, oh, yeah, I, I remember that. So, yeah, tell me. Well, why what year is this? Did you have the article? I don't, you know. Um I do. I, I got it somewhere, but it was it was on a funny website that um So you know what we're gonna do because I got, I, want... I got it right here. I got it. I got it. Okay. Right. FINRA panel. All right, so let's I had no idea that FINRA could even had these but Okay, you read me... the whole read the whole story including the names. <laughs> If you don't okay. mind. This is a, all right, so the byline is 11, 11 6, 2009 All right. An arbitration panel of the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority ordered an RBS group unit to pay a former trader more than $2.9 million after doubling an initial $1.46 million award under a Connecticut wage law. Kurt S. Lichtman a former RBS prop trader of fixed income securities sought nearly $10 million in a breach of contract claim he filed in March of 08 against the Greenwich, Connecticut-based broker-dealer Greenwich Capital Markets Incorporated, renamed RBS Securities. 
in April. Lichtman brought the case under the unit's former marketing name, RBS Greenwich Capital. Securities and employment attorneys say that courts and arbitration panels typically double awards of unpaid compensation pursuant to the Connecticut Wage Act to punish employers for certain types of conduct, such as bad faith or unreasonableness. It sounds like a punitive damages award, plain and simple. And it's huge, says Luigi Spatafora, a New York and Stanford, Connecticut-based securities arbitration attorney. The award entered by the FINRA-ARB panel June 3rd doesn't explain its rationale for doubling the damage amount. Jeffrey Little, a a lawyer for Lickman, says an RBS executive verbally promised that Lickman would be paid a 20% bonus on his trading profits. Lickman generated more than $30 million in profits for 07, according to Little's website. RBS paid Lickman 15% instead, according to Little. The FINRA panel's initial $1.46 million award represented the 5% balance of Lickman's 2007 trading profits. Little says Lickman recorded the conversations in which the RBS exec promised him 20%. Bernard Jacques, an employment, law- an employment lawyer in Hartford, described the award as one of the largest ones he's seen in a while under the Connecticut Wage Act. RBS had no comment. So um, this, Dude. I was there around the time. So so this fellow wore a wire. Yeah. Right? Okay. <laughs> got it on so, tape. Well, so um, if that was an interesting time period because RBS had bought Matt West, it was in the process of fucking all this shit up, right? So so what had happened back when things were working right, we had three groups. We had asset back group, we had the primary dealer group, and we had the prop group. Yeah, okay. yeah. Yours truly was in charge of the prop group. And we had, as you've known, many, mm-hmm. many, many, many years of successful returns. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the next thing you know, when RBS is clawing for money, these prop groups are popping up everywhere, but they're not under my control. So, you know, this fellow, Kurt Lichtman, made 30 million bucks or whatever the article said. There was another prop group that dropped 300 million. Okay. So it's, yeah. it's, it's fucking chaos. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I realize, mm-hmm. you know, I have a verbal agreement about my compensation and I got a little anxious. So I went into the guys there and I said, look, I'm a little anxious about, you know, just the handshake. How about we memorialize it? And they came back and said, well, the only reason we'll do this is if you sign a non-compete. Meaning, we'll give you what you want, but you got to promise if you leave, you can't work yeah. anywhere for a year, whatever. Well, I, I've always been the opinion those non-competes aren't that effective. And I was looking at a real amount of money that was in jeopardy. So I, I signed the thing and, and after I had my lawyer look at it. And so I felt pretty good. But I remember a year or two later, after hearing about this story that you just read about the wire, somebody from one of the other groups who I was senior to, but had a good relationship with asked to to speak to me. And I had my own little office off the trading room, principally 
where I could go take a nap in the middle of the day, you know, if I was tired or something like mm-hmm. that. But we had a conversation, this fellow and I. It was at least an hour, might have been 90 minutes. And I remember at the time feeling a little uncomfortable because he kept asking me about what my deal was. What's your compensation arrangement here? And I guess in hindsight, um, I had the, the best deal of anybody at the firm. And there were lots of rumors and innuendos about what that was. And um, I know I, I knew what everyone's comp was. And I did have, for a trader, I did have the, the highest payout. And this and that. But this person kept over and over trying to get me to talk about my percentages. And I'm like, listen, I don't talk about my compensation. Sure. And that's yeah. just, that's always been, and, and my, my advice to other people, don't tell people what you make. Mm-hmm, What's the point mm-hmm. of doing that? Right? right Nobody right, wins. Right. And, but I remember walking out of that meeting feeling really like there was something weird about that. Interesting. And, yeah. uh, I mean, did that guy wear a wire? I, I, I would, with a gun to my head, I would say yes. Wow. Um, but I still know that guy today, and and it's it's a little weird. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah, frankly yeah. a little weird when you know someone's supposed to be coming to you for advice, and uh, they're leaning on a relationship, and they're really trying to trap you into giving up information that yeah. isn't going to help you, might hurt you, but it's going to help them. Yeah. And so to me, it's a little bit of an ethical dilemma when I look back on that. Um, I don't know. How do you, how would you manage something like that? I was surprised that RBS would squeeze a guy like that. Um, you know, I, I, but then, uh, like you said, there's a take, you know, they were sw- Nat, RBS and, and Nat West were taken over. So there was transition going on. Um, well, and massive losses. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, it was, it was Thunderdome. Yeah. That's just the whole thing rubs me the wrong way. And you would always portray like, like the, I don't want to use the word fraternity of Greenwich cap, but the, the certain, there was a, I don't want to say a brotherhood or fraternity, but it was a close knit, like no assholes. And it it was until the RBS guys got involved Okay, and all of a sudden they lost their minds. I think there was this guy. His 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 nickname was Fred the Shred, wow. and like he would come in and like he was rumored to just fire tons of people, and then they had another guy named um, I forget the guy's name. I want to say Johnny Cameron maybe, okay. and like all of a sudden out of the blue, more risk, more risk, yeah, more risk, yeah. right at. Wow the exactly wrong time yeah and uh you know then my friend ben carpenter left and then the mortgage thing hit the shitter and you know it's like the difference between a retreat and a route you know so yeah but uh so i guess the question is let's say you're me and you know pretty with a high degree of certainty that this guy wore a wire in a conversation. How, how would you act towards that person? 
it's tricky because he's got big, big forces behind him. You know, like that's why I think I might avoid that conflict. I got to be honest, you know? Yeah. yeah. I'm waiting for that moment where it's like, I'll be at a big party and there'll be some turmoil and I'll walk up to him and I'll grab him by the face and I'll kiss him <laughs> and I'll go, yeah. Fredo, I know it was you. <laughs> Some Greenwich backyard party. <laughs> okay. I don't kiss um, guys. I don't. I don't kiss guys. Um, I, I, I gave. There's. I've gotten emails from you that said like I could just kiss you. Okay, well, that's metaphorically. Speaking. <laughs> okay, all right. Just just to be clear, so we're we're not okay, that well, far off of this. Spectrum. One minute you're kissing a guy, the next minute you're throwing your feces at people. Yeah, I know. I, I know. know. Where I know. do you draw Please. the line? Jeez. Before we go, I, Kevin Muir, the host of the Market Huddle. What's it? The the what? Market huddle. I'm not Market familiar huddle. with That's that. A Canadian Canadian outfit. Um, oh, is that the one that, that they got their own merch shop now? Dude, Kevin's going to the fish concert. He's going to the fish concert. I repeat. So all my listeners out there who have for 82 weeks sat through the first two minutes of racket, not only did Kevin sit through it, he loves it enough that he purchased a ticket and he is going to fish in Toronto. I wish him all the best. Um, he, he sent some emails out asking about preparing for the show. We gave him good advice. Um, but that just shows you like if you're persistent and you give it a ch- and you know, you just got it. I just need 80 weeks to get my foot in the door. <laughs> I get I got my hand up my skirt and I'm going yeah, for it. Exactly. For something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Great to Pal, see you. I'll see buddy. you. I'll see you at dinner tomorrow night. I uh, know. I know. I'm, I can't uh, wait to get to the restaurant. There's gonna be a big long line of black Cadillacs and Mercedes out front. I know be yeah, I'm psyched. Undisclosed location. I know we don't I want know. the paparazzi. By the way, I'm just thrilled. before we run out of time, mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. talking about the concept of introducing a paywall. Yes. Let me run this by you, okay? Mm-hmm. So I told you two-year notes are two, 323, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And if the funds rate is going to be three and a quarter in no time, mm-hmm. I think they're going to back up these two-year notes 50 basis points. Mm-hmm. So some guy at some huge hedge fund <laughs> in Tokyo tonight is going to start pounding out two-year notes, Right. And he's going to make five, 10, 15, 20 million dollars, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm just throwing this out there for you to think about. Let's say we do this thing on the honor system. Okay. So yep. if you manage a fund that's $5 billion or more and you listen, okay, you should pay a fee. I could, yeah. Okay. And if 10 billion, that's another fee. 15 billion, that's another fee. And um, for everyone else, like for average Joe, Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know, college student, Mm -hmm. medical doctor, resident, Mm -hmm. guy who's the mechanic working on your car, free. Okay. But for you big guys taking home the, you know, the million, $10 million bonuses, I think we're supposed to get a little something for the effort, which I think. I would go to a couple places. I know a couple people with young children. I think a college fund would be nice. And then mm-hmm. the balance could go to a charity. But yep. uh, And it's all on the honor system. What do you think of that? 
it's uh, now you've put a couple of people in a tricky place because I know who they are and I know I know I know names. Um, so we'll, we'll um let me think about that. I like the idea. Um, because there's some big shots that listen and I and and you know them personally. So you you know now they're going yeah they're in a little bit of a, a little bit of an awkward spot. Um, all right, I'll think about it. Yeah, I I, I don't want to fuck up our artistic integrity. That's number one. Because well, you, you don't want I, that guy in Tokyo making a fortune off of your calls here, you know? It's, uh, but the, at the bottom line, this is art. This is our way to express ourselves artistically. And I don't want, as so often happens, to have money ruin the art, right? But on the other hand, there's that element in me that, you know, Guys are making coin, and it's like uh, I, I I don't have anything I want to do with it in particular. But I right, know right. a couple of worthy causes, and yeah, and I you know it's it like true. it's good it's good karma. Exactly, it would be and, nice. And we've and, done this. We've done a lot of shows, and there's been a lot of in, information yeah. that they have sponged up. And 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 I'm not talking about your average guy, right? You know, yeah. So anyway, just you know, think, who, you, you, you know who you are, folks. You know who yeah. you are. You can yeah. email me for the for the for the address of my crypto wallet where to send money. I thought we could just do a PayPal thing, <laughs> or a, a GoFundMe a GoFundMe page. Stop. It's nap time. Okay, it's four right. o'clock on nap the East time. Coast. <laughs> All right, my friend. Thank you. Happy birthday. How old are you? Sixty four. <laughs> Fuck you. Sixty. 